podcast one production. I'm so invested in my work. I'm so invested in the idea and the vision that I want to get across. I'm almost like all or nothing. I'm like, I actually don't care what it takes to create, just build it. And it's so hard because like my husband, Lewis, and like Elsa, my assistant, like sometimes they sit there they're like, CJ, like, please stop. Like, please, at some point, please stop. Like you're going to bankrupt us. I'm like, fuck yeah, I will. Welcome to Ladyland, a podcast by Lady Brains, where female founders step into our world. It's a world of change makers and innovators. We're talking to women paving their own way and extracting the very best lessons. We're your hosts, Caitlin Judd and Anna McKenzie, co-founders of Lady Brains, a digital and IRL club for ambitious women who are building businesses of the future. So strap in, fellow Lady Brain, and ride with us to Ladyland. This is part two of our interview with Australian artist CJ Hendry. If you haven't listened to part one, go back and check it out. Here in part two, we get into the business of art and how she's broken the traditional artist gallery model by selling her art online. Her extravagant self-funded exhibitions are entirely unnecessary to sell her art. So why is she considering buying a church in the heroin capital of the world to stage her next exhibition? CJ begins by explaining the traditional artist gallery model. So I can't shed a whole lot of light into how most artists would work with a gallery. This is what I think happens. You make your work, the gallery says, great, we'll do a show. They schedule in a show, you do the show and the work sell at the show or prior to the show or after the show. I'm not sure. And you ship it off to buyer and that's the relationship. And you might have a show every two years. I think you might be signed to multiple galleries. So you might be able to do different shows in different parts of the world or different parts of Australia if you're Australian. And that's how it has been done and and should be done, to be honest. (laughs) And the gallery takes a cut. They do. They take anywhere between 50%, sometimes more, sometimes less. Um, It's a a negotiation thing, but I think the general standard is 50-50, but I'm pretty sure you could negotiate. I don't know. Um, The way I do it, at a normal show with it with an artist, they'll have a little artist biography on the wall, mm. being like, "This is the thought. This I'm talking. I'm made, made paintings about death, or I'm done, whatever is it is. This is the medium. Like most of the time, you're looking at this artist plaque, like more confused than probably when you left. I'm not sure. So my thing, like I'm because I'm not that smart to like do that type of thing. So I got to a stage where I'm like, I'd love to create these shows and instead of the artist plaque being on the wall, I'd love you to walk through and experience the thing that I'd otherwise have put on the wall. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So for example, with the monochrome show where we built a house with colours, I could have put the works of Pantone colour chips on the wall right. um, in a white gallery and, being, and, and done a plaque saying, imagine if you were in a home with colour and, you know, imagine sitting on a blue sofa. You know, I could have done that artist plaque, but I was like, fuck that. Why don't we build the bitch? Like, let's build a house. Let's make everything, everything. in the house the same mm. colour, you know. So I, I don't want to imagine the thing. I want people to be able to be walk through and touch and Mm. physically see the thing not imagine and I feel like so much of the art world is like imaginary artist statements which is so fascinating I'm sure but like uh, anyone can write that you know and you can spin any type of story on the work whereas with mine it's like you can't spin a story because I've built it you know can I ask a really commercial question of course because obviously to do that you need to invest a lot of money to produce those shows yes so do you see a return in terms of t- 
ticket sales or um, the price that your works will sell at mm-hmm. when they're viewed in that environment versus not. Like I know that you're yeah. not doing it for that reason. But yep. From a commercial point of view, how yep. do you I justify mean, that everything. investment yep. of however much it, how much does it cost to put on a show so roughly? It's so, 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 okay, let's talk about that. How, long, how much does it cost to put on a show? It, it can vary, but there's so many things that you take into account for a show, right? Press night where you need drinks and food for 100, 200 people. So this is all press, like the New York Times will come, this person, this art critic, whatever. So there's all these people will come. Then you need an opening night for all your mates. So that's where 500, 1,000 people come. So you need drinks for all that. You need to rent the space. You need to build out the space, build a house, buy the furniture, whatever it might be. You need security for the time the show's open. You need to pay for staff. You need to pay for who knows what. So in all honesty, going into shows, you're looking at almost half a million dollars down just to put on a show. It's fucked up, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm kind of... Ah, uh, I don't think you fully see a return <laughs> because because honestly, I could sell the works without even doing the show. In all honesty, yeah. I could sell like we could we sell the works two month two not two months two weeks mm. to a month prior to the show even opening. So the collectors don't even know what the show is that they're buying into. Yeah. So I don't even need to do that. That's what's so fucking crazy. And why do I do it? I truly am playing a long game. Yeah. I really mm-hmm. believe that. And it's funny because people have dubbed me as an Instagram artist. I'm like, yeah, cool. I'll cop it. Who gives a shit? Like, call me what you want. I truly don't care. But I also know I'm so invested in my work. I'm so invested in the idea and the vision that I want to get across. I'm almost like all or nothing. I'm like, I actually don't care what it takes to create. Mm. Just build it. And it's so hard because like my husband, Lewis, and like Elsa, my assistant, like sometimes they sit there like, CJ, like, please stop like please at some point please stop like you're gonna bankrupt us I'm like fuck yeah I will like I I almost don't care because I'm like I just want the idea to get there you know what I mean so so to go to the business side a lot of people like CJ you're doing so well I'm like yes because we sell the works but then I'll spend as much building the next show so to talk about the business side I haven't paid myself a wage since I've started this which sounds crazy because I like but it's your art you sell them I'm like yeah but this is a business and Mm. it's like I work for the business and I pay my staff I've only mm. just started to pay myself a wage a a very negligible amount well not what I should get paid um, at all because I believe believe in what I'm building so much, my salary is irrelevant, truly mm. irrelevant. So the money that you're reinvesting back into yeah. your business, can you tell us what some of your biggest expenses are at the moment? Rent is a huge portion to give you numbers because it's easy to talk numbers. Yeah. I don't want to talk vagaries because I do that often. So I'm like, fuck it, let's just get to the point. You'd be spent, we'd be spending just, I think it goes up every year, I think just over 10 grand a month in rent here. Your studio, yeah. Studio, we don't live here either. So yeah. we live somewhere else. We yeah. live very humbly. Like I said, we don't pay yeah. ourselves much. So we live just like any other person. We've got roommates, you know, which is, people are like, you have roommates? I'm like, yeah, we have roommates. Like, what's that, right? Um, fun. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Roommates fun. Yeah, That's roommates are a great yeah. time. But like people, I think, think of me in a different position yeah, sure. that I wouldn't have roommates. Anyway, put it this way. Our monthly expense rate is probably almost at 50 grand a month rent. Run rate 
normal on a normal month. This is not even rolling into a show. Right. Wow. So this is also like framing everything, shipping things around the world because yep. we take on shipping. We don't charge the buyer for shipping or framing because I'm so obsessed with framing. If we let, sold them a loose sheet mm. of paper, they'd yep. pr- more than likely fuck up the framing and yep. then everything's destroyed. Um, yeah, it, it's wild. Like what are the expenses? The materials I use are crazy. Mm. The staff, I pay all my staff really well. I don't take advantage of anyone in any way because I think that's like not an ethical way to run a business, especially an art-based business. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, just, just for context. But, sorry, yeah. for context, you, how mm. often do you burn through a pencil sharpener? Every two days. That yep. is insane. Yep, it blunts out in two days. That's how much like I'm using it. You know, like that's how many hours on how the deck. This is not a business question, but mm. I'm curious. Yeah. How um, when do you throw out a pencil? Like how low? Oh, as, how low as low do as you go. <laughs> how low do you go? That's a good. Well, no, it's. It, it, Till it gets to a point where you physically can oh. hardly hold it. I even have like pencil extenders, which like you kind of oh, twist them on yeah, the back, which yeah, you can right. get a bit more length because yeah. it, it's really difficult to draw with super little stub. So yeah. the pencil extenders get yeah. a bit more life out of it. Yeah. And each pencil, so like we're looking at about 15,000 pencils here, approximately mm-hmm. 20, whatever, who cares? But half of the pencils are like maybe $5 pencils and they're like really premium and beautiful and mm. they just cost a lot. Like mm. it's just part of it. Yeah. So we've spoken a little bit about your expenses. Yeah. I want to understand a little bit more about your business model in terms yeah. of your incomings. Yes. So you do one show a year, yep. is that correct? Yep. And you pre-sell all of your art. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that process? I can. So I make work, I can only make so many works a yeah. year. You know what I mean? There's, I, I never want to, um, never want to make more. It, it is what it is. I can never produce more. And I, they're, they're, in the art world, there's a lot of artist studios where artists will have other artists help make their work. That's a very common practice. I don't ever want to get too far down that route. I do have some guys who will help me with some works in terms of base coats, but mm-hmm. I'm never going to make more than what I want to make. You know, there's never that much out there. Last year, I think I made 37 works. This year, probably like 42. You know what I mean? So there's not that much out there, which I like. Um, so yeah, I'm never going to build my kind of like studio to be like there's some artists that have like 200 people working for them like that has I I have no interest in that whatsoever so that's that side of it so how do I make them so make the works around a show we'll sell them all online maybe a week or two prior to the show opening we'll offer past collectors the first option to acquire and then there'll be other people on the wait list after that and then once a year I'll open up commissions a few commissions like if if it interests me I'm like yeah sure there's some people like would you draw this I'm like mm, probably not sorry so if it doesn't interest me I'm not just going to do it because yep. um, commissions do take up time and it's not always the things that I'm interested in doing yeah. and that's such a selfish way to work isn't yeah. it but I'm just I'm literally so focused on the thing that I'm doing I have no in, I, I don't often take on commissions so yeah from time to time and then around a show I'll also just only just started to sell editions so editioned almost like a di- framed edition prints of yeah. the concept never ever ever have I made a print of an original drawing it's always like an edition of s- something within the theme and concept, but right, I'm, okay. I'll never photograph a drawing and then reprint that out. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's, yeah. yeah, there'll always be editions available around the concept. Is that because you, know? you want 
to ensure that the person who's yes. purchased the art yes, yes, has, yes. is the only. Yeah. Yeah. The only yeah. one available. There's only ever one of everything as well. So yeah. there's never like, someone's like, oh, you're drawing a disco ball. Can you do me one? I'm like, I might do a disco ball, but it would need to be very different photograph. Yeah. Like everything about it would have to be different. Yeah. yeah. So if you do one show a year and your main revenue stream is selling, yeah. pre-selling those um artworks mm-hmm. and I imagine they sell out really quickly. They do, yeah. So majority of your revenue comes in in one day. It comes in in two minutes. <laughs> so like <laughs> Yeah, one day cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah cute. Cute. It's, cute. Like, seconds. That's I mean, cute. Like, that's a really cute thing. But yeah, yeah drink a diet coke that amount. I could how do you manage your business cash flow when 99% of your cash is coming in on one day? It's a great question. We, like I said, we, I, I don't take much out for myself and it's just all reinvested back into the next show. So we budget, say like, say it's a half a million dollar build for the show. Like we allocate that aside. We put aside money for tax, like all that type of thing. So mm-hmm. as long, the way I see it, and it's not the right way to run a business, but I'm, yeah, I'm playing a longer game, which I believe will pay off later, not now, if that makes sense. How do you think it will pay off in the, the long run? The value of my work will increase right. by an astronomical amount. And okay. it's not a matter of if, it just will. Because oh, It sounds crazy, but I like really love what I do and I'm, re- I'm really good at it. And I, I'm good at yeah. the skill-based thing and I really enjoy... I really enjoy the art business. I enjoy art. I enjoy the everything about the art world. I yeah. really do and I truly understand it. And I... I'm just so invested in a longer mm. play. I'm not interested in the quick sell, like the quick cash. That is of no interest to me. Yeah. And yeah. I guess, it, you know, it's smart because with every new show that's a bigger concept yes. and a yes. crazier idea mm. with, yeah. their, you know, your new yeah. ideas, like it mm. will incrementally increase in value when you get all the press and yeah. when your profile totally. builds and even totally. more and all that sort of stuff. And as you said, I mean, having these shows is it's getting buy-in from people. Like yeah. you're building your brand yes. at the same time as building your artwork. Yeah. So which which not a lot of artists do. Yeah. Your brand is equally as strong, yeah. I would argue, as your art. Yeah, 100%. And it's funny because I see so many artists and talented or not, once again, it, that's irrelevant mm. in art. It's they so, They're so interested in being cool and the quick, dollar and us buy my art I'm like oh everything about that's so tacky I really I find it foul and I am just like not interested in being the cool like of the now I'm Mm. and it's hard because everyone's like oh Instagram I'm like yeah that's just the thing that I use but the main things the show and the work you know without a doubt that's my main focus um yeah so all those fabulous people who do support me and do invest in my work I I'm always and will always be so grateful to them because without them, I can't build the next thing. And every show is getting bigger and bigger and there's no shortage of ideas. Like, honestly, the more cash I can make in this business, the more fucked up shit we'll get. Like, I promise you that. (laughs) Like, I promise, like, the next show, like, to give you a little... Tell us about the next show because we know, we've heard a little bit. We want to know more. So the next show is, the, the theme is flowers and I've always been a little bit, put off by floral art because it's like the the thing that you learn to draw is a flower and like because mm. it's so feminine and I'm not that feminine and it's so like oh here's a peony summer I'm like <laughs> oh I hate that type of content you know summer. what I mean like hey like and like you ah oh, 12,000 roses like whatever it's just like oh, flowers like I Fuck really that. don't like flowers at all and like a lot of artists reference flowers so I've always been 
almost hate them and love them at the same time. And I think I've found a way to kind of talk about floral and imagery, but in a much more sinister way. Mm. Um, so we might be buying a church. Mm. Yeah, so but funny. it's not like a normal church. It's a fucking cathedral. Derelict. It's derelict. So just to give you this, uh, to, to paint the picture, I like to do things that are a little unexpected. Like doing mm. a show in a fancy area and with fancy people and fancy drinks is one thing. Like that's normal. You would expect that from an art show. But this whole show and concept and theme that I'm conceptualising is around death and decay. So I'm like, I don't just want a church that's like in Manhattan on Fifth Ave. Woo! You know, yeah. it's like, no, I want a church that is run down. I want a church that's been left abandoned and I want to renovate it. I want to buy it. I want to renovate it and I want to do the show in it and showcase this full story. And I love the storytelling. I really do. So um, the church is in Philly, which is about two hours from New York. It's essentially the heroin capital of America. Yeah. Like that's yeah. no joke. Like Kensington, I think it's yeah. Kensington in Philly, Philadelphia. It's like one of the most dangerous drugged up areas almost in the world. And we might be buying a church in Philly in that exact location. When you come up with these ideas, how much strategy plays into it in terms of, you know, this is something that's going to get a lot of press or this is something that's really topical right now? Mm. Does that play into your creative process at all or is it purely just what... No, it doesn't play into it at all. And I I can't give any example because I can't think straight off the top of my head, but you can tell when something's been manufactured yeah. for a press story. It mm. happens all the time. Like... It happens with brands. It happens with people who are like desperate and thirsty for press and attention and a follow and a like. Like Mm. it's probably all of social media is like it's all strategy and timing and oh, you know. And it's it's like it's gross. It's a really gross Mm. place to play in. And just doing something for the press play is just I find it really transparent and I don't like it and I'm just not interested in Mm. that. So yeah, it all starts with the drawing. But then in terms of like actually doing the show, I do work with a PR firm. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually a one guy who works on his own. He's really good at what he does and he believes in my work and he is very well connected, obviously, PR New York. So it's not like we just do the show and everything happens. There's, there is strategy when the press thing comes into totally. play, but that we won't start that conversation for another right. six months from now. You know what I mean? So it's... That, that comes after. That comes after. Concept. And to be honest, he's like, you cannot do a show in Philly. I'm like, watch me. So yeah, even press is like, oh, no, yeah. no. I was about to ask, I mean, are you expecting yeah. people to fly out or are you creating well, I, it for the local community? Like, No, I'm not doing it for them and I'm not yeah. doing it for... I'm doing it for the storytelling yeah. that I want to so get who across. Think, who like, will show up? I, I don't know. I don't think anyone will. Like, once again, I'm, I never do it to be like, oh, I hmm, want this person I need the, yeah. No, yeah. never, never. And I'm sure if I put more energy into that maybe more high profile people will come but I'm not that's not the focus it's not the point and and yeah and I just see so much of what's happening nowadays as people are desperate for the quick the quick buck and the quick this without any story and that's fine but even some of the best brands that we all know and admire there's subtle storytelling in there which maybe people aren't aware of but I just would advise anyone starting anything not just an art Mm. but any business or product that you might Mm. be wanting to bring out focus on making the thing that you're making fucking brilliant like I really I cannot like explain that enough I get so disheartened and so sad seeing like everyone just doing quick cheap stuff Mm -hmm. and I'm just oh I just would love people to go back to quality and doing things 
perfectly and making sure it's right. This kind of leads, is a good segue to my next question um, because you kind of experienced a pretty big setback or constraint. I think it was last year or a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. When, last year. Yeah, this, last this time year. last year. Yeah. 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 So you created a pretty crazy um, like outcome story around a copyright yes. infringement case. So, so can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I can. So Andy Warhol, everyone knows him, not going to get into it. So I just ripped off some of his, like, let's not, <laughs> no, but that's the point, right? Because he ripped it, whatever. And I was like, oh, fuck the police. Like, let me just rip off his art because he, whatever. Yeah. So I redrew his Polaroid photos. They looked like the photograph. That's what I do. You know, so redrew his photographs and then photographed my drawing and then printed it out and then crumpled it and then redrew a crumpled drawing, mm-hmm. whatever. It's like Inception. It's like Inception. Totally Inception. So there, yeah. a drawing of a drawing crumpled. Put them on front, the front of a T-shirt. Whatever. Fun T-shirt. Yay. Because I'm like, I've never really, I don't yeah. really offer lower price pointed things. So I'm like, yeah, let's try the T-shirt thing. Why not? Mm-hmm. And then literally two minutes, not two minutes, it's a lie. Five hours before we were going to sell them online. Like they were already, we had the packaged them, boxed them, like everything about this T-shirt was amazing. And they were all limited, like all signed and numbered, whatever. And then we get an email from the Ali Foundation being like, just a heads up. If you sell this, we're going to fucking come for you. And I was like panicking. And I don't panic much. Like nothing really scares me, but like I truly went white and like almost fainted, like panicked. Because like you're like, (gasps) we've been working for so long on this thing and then you find out that something could go wrong. So I was like, fuck, like so a bit devoed for like a good day. Like I was pretty grumpsies for a day. How long did you, how long were you working on it? I would say oh, a couple of months. Like okay. I'm like, I just needed the labels to be right and the heavy, like really yeah. heavyweight tees and like yeah. the certain things that, and the packaging and whatever. Took a while and yeah, I was fucking pissed and like panicked. You know, like when you're cheating in an exam and you get caught by the teacher? Yeah. No, yeah. no one, oh, awkward. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 I know that oh, feeling. you're doing something that <laughs> you, you shouldn't something. be doing. You get totally. caught out. Totally, that's yeah, the feeling. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, it's almost like you just got to, I, it. I felt like, and I've never been expelled, but like I've cheated in exams before. I felt like that, but I'd never been caught. Huh? Uh, but like, <laughs> it felt like someone had caught me and like thrown me out. I was like, fuck that, that type of like gut wrenching yeah. heart uh, yeah, drop. Yeah, that that feeling, the sick feeling, that's what happened. I was like, and yeah, so we couldn't sell them. So I sat with these t-shirts, like 600 t-shirts, for like a good week being like, well, fuck. Like, and, and part of copyright, like you can't sell them and you can't distribute them. You can't, so you can't just like give them away, you know? So I'm yeah. like, the only option they said was to dispose of them. So I'm like, oh, I see your disposal. I'm not going to throw away 600 t- What a waste. No. I don't like to waste stuff. So I was like, right, let's get creative. Like I also am like a bit of, like I see rules and I'm like, cute with your rule. Let me just like bend it a wee Break bit. Yeah. I'm all about bend. it because the like- A slight cheeky bend. A slight rule. cheeky bend. Like I'm not talking breaking the law. Yeah. Maybe it was a little bit where it gets, but like, <laughs> I'm talking, it's more about take that rule and be like, cute let's see how far we can bend it before it snaps right yeah, mm-hmm. so I was like look let's dispose of the t-shirt so I'm like but let's dispose of it in like a ha 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 type of way oh. so I put the packet we packaged up all the t-shirts into boxes into packs of four or six and we spray painted the boxes red and then with like a stencil on the front just like spray paint like copyright infringement on the front 
And then two days later, we're like, fuck it. There was no lead time. I wasn't like, hey guys, on this day, we're going to do this thing. Like we spray painted them. They were drying the night before. We like loaded the U-Haul the next morning, $19 a day, like U-Haul. And for two days, we just drove around New York dropping boxes and people went frantic. It was so deeply... I didn't want anything out of it. Like I was giving the t-shirts yeah. away. Yeah. It wasn't like I've this planned press strategy. No. There was no press. There was nothing. My like, PR didn't even know I was doing this. I was like, fuck it. Like we're dropping t-shirts, like drop the boxes. Like, you know, and then people just went mental and that's not something you can manufacture. No. Like people no. want the thing and I'm like, you can't manufacture magic. Totally. Does that make sense? Mm. So yeah, with the box drop thing, it just happened and this great thing happened out of something truly devastating. But oh my gosh, that worked out quite well didn't it do you spitball your ideas off your husband yes Elsa, yes off your team? so always. is it like a brainstorming always. session yep. so it's so other people 100 percent. yep so it's yep. not just me being like ah oh, i've got it we do spitball okay. a lot with the rorschach show which ended up yep. being a bouncing castle we went through so many different iterations and i think almost a year of not a year i'd say eight months we were going down one idea it was going to be projection mapping which is like images of like symmetric like on the ceiling and walk down a tunnel and uh, and it got to a stage where it was getting so expensive to build like more than mm. normal yeah. and I was like I can't we can't af- even afford to do that idea because it's, it was getting into the millions and the way I like to produce things is like mm, I could have just done a dinky little projector I'm sure but like <laughs> yeah. no, no, nothing about not that interests me yeah, yeah. so you know, so sometimes the ideas get too expensive. Sometimes I don't even understand where I'm going with it. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense anymore. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm quite simple in a way. Like I'm like, if it doesn't make sense to me, it's not going to make sense to anyone else, you know? So I always just look back at like the basic, I'm a basic consumer. I'm like, if I would enjoy this mm-hmm. and if it makes sense to me, then it's a goer. No, I think it's interesting though that you said that you're a basic consumer and so you want to make shows that are simple in a way, but yes. sophisticated, yes. that make sense yep. to that basic consumer. Mm-hmm. But interestingly consumers or the people that buy your mm, art yeah. and sort of feed into your business are probably not the simple basic yeah, consumers. They're the people that can afford it, right? Yeah. Uh, How do you kind of... You mm. know, I'm not thinking of the buyer. I'm thinking right. of just the story. Mm. But sometimes it takes iterations of the wrong thing. You, yeah. We've got to go mm. so far down the wrong thing. We were eight months down the projection mapping yeah, wow. and I was like, I was like Elsa... I'm sorry, all your work. No, no, we've got to, I don't understand it anymore. And Elsa's very polite, like, yeah, okay, sure. I trust you, CJ. I'm like, it's not it. We need to go back to step one and figure out what the concept, not the concept, but what the experience part is. And it's like funny because the drawing part for me is easy. That's the easy yeah. part and because I know how to do it and I know how to do it well. But I find the really fascinating part, the, the building around the drawings is storytelling. And this next show with the church, it's <sighs> fucked. It's fucking stunning. And I fully get it. I get it. Do you see it? I see it. Visually? Visually, I see it. And on that visual note, and this is slightly, slightly a left of centre conversation, but so much of what I do and the... I think some elements of success I've had is to do with like manifestation and like Mm. being able to see what I want, not always knowing that we have the resources or have the things to make it happen, but I'm like, fuck it. This is where I want to be. And I want to play at a much higher, much higher level. And I'm like, but I'm not an established artist, but how do I play at that level? So I was like, fuck it. I'm not going to wait for galleries to be like, cool, and build that over 30 years. I'm like, I I want to do big things now. Like, fuck it. So I'm like, I've got to figure out how to do it on my own. So I'm like, I'm, 
want to be at this level, so how do I do bigger shows with a bigger story? I don't want to wait for someone to say I can do it. I'm just going to fucking do it. And that's why I think I've, I've put a few people's noses ever so slightly out of joint because they're like, but you haven't done your time. I'm like, fuck it, soz. Like, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm not going to apologise for being polite and having to wait and wait for them to tell me it's my turn I'm like fuck the police and also artists there's some extraordinary extraordinary artist who'll never make it because they haven't been given the green light yeah. and I'm like fuck that why like yeah. think about in business if you want to start a, a, a center counter company you go build that and you, bitch. Go and do it. you go and do it and that's what's interesting you know or whatever it might be you want to start a sneaker brand do you think the guy who started Nike was like oh I've got to wait for the I've got to the do sneaker my time gods. yeah it's like no. no so I think what the art world what I find is lacking and once again I don't know much but like there's too much too many gatekeepers saying you can or you yeah. can't and I think there's so many extraordinary creative artists who maybe are just I'm just like, go and do it. I don't think we mentioned this yeah. yet, but you said you were a businesswoman first and an artist second. Yes. Like that's, when do you ever hear an artist say, like, actually, you know what, I'm a businesswoman first. And and does that like, does that sit, how does that sit with you? It's, I don't think about it much. I just know that I enjoy business and I understand business. And what's funny, I never got into this at the start to want to get into business. I just wanted to make the art. And as a result, of me kind of doing my own thing, I've kind of had to understand business. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Because yep. ha- I'm not working with a gallery, so it's, you know, it'd all kind of fall flat if I wasn't across that side of it. So just through necessity, I've had to understand business and just through necessity, I quite enjoy the business side of it. Has there been an idea, a concept, a piece of work that has just fallen flat, failed? Yes, yes, yes. There's a whole series literally sitting in the, these storage cabinets. I did it. Mm, over the course I think I did it over a year here and there and I was going to do a whole show around it but it just got too big and expensive and I haven't been able to release it is it something that you might release in the future maybe but yeah it's just sitting there I'm like I can't do it it the story wasn't right as well. Mm. Ah, it sounds crazy. It's mm. so the, the the drawings of diamonds and they're beautiful and render they're exquisite. And I don't know what to do with them because the story's not right. I don't just want to release really? them either. That no, so I don't just want to sell them. Think of a story, a narrative, a show around that that felt right. I and can. So decided not to release. I them. can, and it's fucking awesome. I was going to build a diamond, so a glass maze. 50 foot in diameter. What's that? 25 metres almost in diameter, but I wanted to build it in the centre of Australia. So in the middle of nowhere. Oh so gosh. not in like a highly populated area. I want to build it in like near Ayers Rock or right. some somewhere where no one goes. I wanted to build this magnificent glass maze. Like it, we, we got architects, all these, we have got the plans down and then the costs were getting astronomical. astronomical. And I just, and that is what I want to do. So when I'm able to build the glass maze, I'll release a series. Does that sound, so I could sell them at any stage, but I'm like, no, this, no, the glass maze. I'll wait. Oh, it's so beautiful. Right? It's just so an, I believe in the, the story so much. Yeah. I won't release the it works without. It is such, I mean, I had no idea that this oh, is how you operated. Yeah. And it's so interesting. It's such yeah. an interesting way of doing business. And it's there's so much integrity in that. It's like the, yeah. you have an idea, but until yeah. you're financially able to execute it in the way that you want to execute yeah. it, you won't. I'm not, I won't do it. Yep. And I truly mean it's that. Amazing. And it's easy. It would be so much easier. And dude, I would be sitting happy. We could sell the works like in a, two minutes in like second. that. But I believe that the story is more important to, in, 
the overall storytelling. Someone just being like, at the beginning, it just used to be about the drawing. I was like, oh, it's a pair of shoes. And as I've gotten on, I'm like, that's not of interest. It is great, but I want to be able to be like, if I'm going to do draw shoes again, there's going to be a fucking story around it. Before we kind of wrap up with some final questions, we did an Instagram DM, um, Instagram <laughs> shout out yeah. to our followers, yeah. um, asking them what they wanted to hear from you. And there were oh. two questions yep. that so many people asked. Really? Yep. So the first question was, do you make mistakes and what happens when you make a mistake and do you correct? how do you correct? So I do make mistakes always because it's a handmade product. But because it takes so long and there's so many layers involved on each piece, if there's a mistake, it's not like I'm doing a quick two-minute artwork. It's like, fuck, I've made a mistake. It's like, these bitches take a couple of weeks to make. So if there's a slight mistake, I'm able to remedy it in some way. But I'm also at a stage now where it's like the whole thing's a mistake, really. Like, it's just a hodgepodge of mistakes, but it looks right in my eyes, you know. That's life. That's life. life. (laughs) Fuck it, I'm not perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the other question that a lot of people ask was, Mm -hmm. how do you go from photo like what is the actual process of yeah. photo to drawing like uh, how do you do it do you have the photo next to it do you trace the outline first? Yes. like how do you do it yes so I project the outline so there's a really rough pencil outline and then so you're left with a big white sheet of paper with a very light thing of pen like rough thing of pencil and then it's just filling in the blanks but it's very much copying the little area that you're focusing on so and it's it is copying like there's no more to it I'm not trying to dumb it down but that's the process you know there's a lot of people who can do this just so you know look at hyper realism and art go and google yeah, it there's yeah. a lot of people who do this mm. but I I think in a very basic sense to strip all of it back I always come back to just be the purple cow the purple cow in a nutshell is if you're driving along a highway and you see cows cool cows in a herd you're not going to look twice but if you're driving along a highway and you see a purple cow you're going to be like what pump the brakes let's stop a minute get out the car go over, take photos. You're going to tell everyone because you saw a fucking purple cow. What the fuck? So I think that's what it's trying to say. It's just like be extraordinary in an amazing way. Don't be extraordinary and like get your tits out because like, dude, come on, man. Like you'd be better than that, you know? And I think so many people go through and they don't live up to their full potential or work or do the thing at their full potential. They just kind of coast through. I'm like, well, actually, everyone's got something extraordinary in their own little different way, everyone. And people are like, but I'm not creative. I'm like, what? life's not about being creative. You just need to, if you're a great accountant, crunch that number. Whoa, you know, like do the thing that you are really good at. Like if you're a very focused person, find something where you can focus. If you're good with people, Pamela Hendry, that's my sister, Pam PR, do something with people because you're so good at it you know so this everyone's got something and I'm like be the purple cow be different be extraordinary at that thing Hey guys, Caitlin and I loved our conversation with CJ Hendry. She is a dead set legend. She reminded us that building a narrative around your brand or product is so critical to engage and connect with your audience. Also, you don't need permission to execute your idea in the way that you want. Just get out there and do it. You know the drill. Come across to ladybrains.com.au to continue the conversation and find out more info about the podcast and events. Ladyland is a Podcast One Australia production. The producer is Brooke Carrigan. Audio production by Matt Nikolich. For more great podcasts, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app.